Welcome to Worship Call with Bible teacher Buzz Lawback. Buzz is the pastor of Grace Chapel Bible Ministries located in Duncan, South Carolina. This ministry is dedicated to the verse-by-verse teaching of God's Word and discipleship programs aimed at strengthening the faith of God's people. Now here's today's message. This is the fifth day of the week in God's created order. Thursday, December 21st, 2023, year of our Lord. And our title of our message this morning will be The Doctrine of Close. And this is another fine day in the Lord. Father in heaven, thank you for this wonderful time that we have together, that we meet each morning. Pray, Heavenly Father, for your word that that will be accurately taught, accurately received. I pray, Heavenly Father, that it will fortify us, that it will strengthen us, that it will encourage us as we continue to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. And um, so we come this morning to Matthew. Welcome, welcome. We come this morning uh, again. Imagine we painstakingly. We might. Okay, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll admit we could we could say painstakingly going through our passage this morning and or, or for the last couple of weeks in Matthew 22. Wanted to get it right. Want, I'm not moving on till I get it right. I may may lose all y'all, but for me, well, Becca's going to be here. <laughs> so we're going. We're going to, uh, but we're, we're getting, we're seeing light at the end of the tunnel on here. Let's look at Matthew 22, 8. Matthew 22, 8 with me. And we begin this morning with, then he said to his slaves, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the highways and as many as you find there invite, invite to the wedding feast. The message is no longer just to the lost sheep of Israel. But now the message is going out to the highways and byways, to the whole world. And the gospel is going out. And Paul says in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and to the Greek. And that word um, here uh, for um, for Greek is actually... Um, Helen, uh, as Helen, and, um, you'll, you'll hear like the Hellenistics. And these are non-Jews. Uh, usually, um, you'll either hear them called Gentiles or Greeks, but the Hellenistics are those who are non-Jews. And this world is going, the message is going out beyond the Jewish people to the Hellenistic types throughout, um, ge- the Gentile world. Matthew twenty eight eighteen, And Jesus came and spoke to them. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And coming back to Matthew twenty two ten. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered together all they found, both evil and good. And the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. So uh, the evil and good, the moral and the immoral, the sinners and the 
the and the virtuous, the those with integrity, those without integrity, those under moral degeneracy, those are immoral degeneracy. The the question isn't how they were behaving. The question was where they are. As maybe we'll touch on this too when um when when um when the Lord came into the garden and Adam was hiding this after the sin. The first thing that the Lord questioned him on wasn't his behavior, but where he was. But where are you? So we may, where are you? So he went out. It wasn't a question of what they were doing. Um, so not about getting one's life right, folks, and then coming to Jesus. It's hearing the message, responding that Jesus Christ who lived, who died on the cross for our sins, who was buried and three days later rose again, ascended into heaven. By trusting in him, we have eternal life. And so many times I've heard people uh, people say, well, I'm going to get my life right and come to Christ. No, get your come to Christ and then get your life right. Sanctification comes after justification. That's uh, probably a, a whole Another message in itself. So the message goes out to the heathen, to the criminal, to the wretched, as well as to the virtuous, the moral, the law-abiding. Both both good and bad, both evil and good. They, they both are in need of salvation. I'm afraid that there's going to be many good people, many virtuous people, many people who walk in integrity. Will will die and go to hell. There's going to be many scoundrels. There's going to be many scoundrels. Those that, um, those that uh, let's just say their 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 walk is very much short of anything that we expect of a righteous person. And by by contrast, many people would say these people are going to die and go to hell. Not necessarily. Because they may have responded to the gospel, believed and trusted in him. And there's many passages we can go to about the um, faithfulness of God and salvation. While we may be unfaithful, he will be faithful. We read that last night in Second Timothy. All right. Matt, um, so Matthew 22.10. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered together all they found, both evil and good, and the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. And in this they were uh, uh, Anak uh, Amai. Anak Amai. Let me see if we got that right. Let me see. Um, Filled with dinner guests. and the dinner guests, the, the word here is they were reclining, those reclining at the table. Um, and in Matthew twenty two eleven, here comes the king. But when the king came in to look over the dinner guests, he saw a man. I mean, centered out a, a one that's in the crowd. There who was not dressed in wedding clothes. Oops. <laughs> this reminds me. This reminds me of the dreams we've had. 
where we, uh, you know, you've had them going to school. You've gone to school and you're not, you're wearing something, your bathrobe or something. You're in a school and so, uh, Tim, if you dream, I don't know if you dream. I mean, we never discussed. I don't know, but I'm sure you've had the same dreams that I had when we were falling out for inspection. Tim, you got to give me a thumbs up on this if you had this. You fall out for inspection, and everybody's in the, in one uniform, and you're you've got your Charlie. But you might have your Charlie shirt on, your uniform shirt, and you're wearing jeans or. Or you're wearing tennis shoes or something. It's a for folks. Listen, for me and Tim and other Marines having it after they've retired. I'm sure every Marine have had this dream that they're they're falling out in the wrong uniform. Oh, at least I've had them. You know. So let me know. Let me know if you you you've done that, Tim. So uh, so we can laugh together on that. But here it is. Somebody didn't have the right uniform. They didn't have the right clothes here. Um. And, and dealing with culturally, here's a king. He sends out to all the land. Listen, people, uh, clothing was a commodity. I mean, it was clothing not like today. I mean, we're we're throwing away clothes. We've we've got closets full of clothes. Um, we've got, uh, and then and then we. After a while, we stop wearing them, and we have to go through them to see what we're going to take to goodwill. That wasn't a luxury back in the day. Most people wore had one clothes, one set of clothes, one set. So if they did, so in this special wedding occasion, the king would actually hand out the appropriate clothing to his guests. That they would put on the clothing and they would, they, to attend that special guest. So everyone had the special clothes given by, provided by the king to attend. And this was special. This king wanted everything to go. He, his son, whom he loved, and this was a special, very special occasion for him. So, um, so here it was, was one, Without the cloning. And I'm going to start off with the principle this morning. That when we see that in the Bible, the mention of clothing. And this is the doctrine of clothing we're talking about today. That when we're talking about clothing or the lack thereof. It is not talking about the. It, it just says a physical manifestation. Let's just leave it that. A spiritual manifestation of a spiritual reality. Clothing on the outside is just a, a demonstration or a picture or an illustration of what's going on within the person. So let's look back in history to history. So in order of precedence, when you're as a Bible student and you're looking and you're looking at a word or Something um, that's used in a word. It's oh, even like love. Where's the first place that? Where's the first place that you ever? If you're doing a study of love, you go back to find the first place that love is used in the Bible, and it's going to tell you so much. Like love, I've mentioned love. Where's the first place? I believe actually love. The first place that we see love is back in Abraham, when Abraham was set. Uh, the the love was used at that point when the Lord says to Abraham, take your son, 
your one and only son in whom you love. Okay, the first place of love. So then, then you look at what it means there because it sets a precedence throughout. So when we take a look at clothing, where is the first place in the Bible that we find something about clothing um, or the lack thereof? Adam and Eve. Yes, we're we're going back to the beginning uh, beginning as well with um, and. And if you, if you did say back to Genesis, you win the golden monkey. So we go all the way back to the beginning, all the way, let's go all the way back to chapter two of Genesis. And, um, and here in chapter two, uh, by the time we come to chapter two, chapter one is the creation narrative. Chapter two comes down to the details of that creation narrative, the creation of woman and the marriage there is that marriage, and then um, at the end of two, it tells us the condition of, well, let's look at the verse. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Just like when we come to the the next chapter where it speaks of a talking snake. This is not a story about Zoology. This is not teaching us about zoology in the garden. Neither is the nakedness of man and woman a informing us that this was the first nudist colony or that Adam and Eve were the first streakers. Not at all. What the Bible is emphasizing is the principle of the doctrine of atonement. This, um, going back to the principle that we started with, that physical nakedness, clothing, a picture of atonement, these things has to more to deal with the spiritual nature. The The bodily nakedness is a picture of a spiritual reality going on within the believer. Um, could it prior to that could could the man and woman been wearing big leaves already could they have been wearing um, some type of cloak possibly but that's not the issue the issue is the fact of what was going on in their soul at this point where it says that that uh, when it says that they were naked it means that here it is that they were innocent. They were, that which came from God, remember, was very good. Man was created and the woman was, uh, woman were created on the sixth day. And at the end of that sixth day, God saw all that he has done and it was very good. It met God's standard. It met his approval. Man and woman were innocent. They're, they could, and nakedness means that, and they were not ashamed, meant that they could stand before God with, with their hearts open. They were an open book. They had nothing to hide. They were completely innocent. They were, um, uh, they did not need atonement. Okay, let's just talk about atonement just for a second. I don't think I put the definition up there, should have. But, 
the Hebrew is kapar, and it means to be atoned. Actually, that's a Greek. It it means to um, be a no. Actually, Hebrew. I'm sorry. Going back to Hebrew, kapar, to make atonement, to make amends, to pardon, to release, to appease, to forgive, to be atoned for, to be annulled, to allow for atonement. Atonement may be a figure of covering over and therefore forgetting or forgive, forgiving sin, a covering over of sin. So when we see covering, when, when you, um, when we come up to the teaching of the, the Ark of the Covenant, there was the atonement covering. It was the covering that set on the the ark itself, and inside were three articles: the pot of manna, the um, Aaron's rod, it budded, and the commandments. All these three things that that the people sinned against God in these ways. They sinned. They rejected the manna. They rebelled against the authority, and they broke the commandments. But the atonement cover sat on top of that. These articles were in the box. The atonement was covered, and one time a year, blood was sprinkled on the ark. As and as God looked down, He didn't see their sin, but they saw He saw that atoning blood on the ark. So the issue in the Bible, or the lack thereof, is not the physical is not the physical condition of man, but the the spiritual reality. And Adam and his wife were not ashamed because they there was no sin. There was nothing that they needed to cover up. There was and sin is an offense to God. And um and to understand that you see people people today say, Well, how can a loving God cast their creatures into the lake of fire? Or let me put it some let me put it another way. If if you're going to go to heaven and spend eternity with God, how do you do it? Then the question must, and then the answer must be, you must be perfectly acceptable by God. You must be glorified. There, there cannot be any sin. You must be perfect. And you say, how can I be perfect? I'm a sinner. Nobody, nobody can live perfectly. No, you're not. So you, so that is a God-sized problem that he's going to have to take a look at. So when sin entered in the picture, it is when God, when man broke God's law. And sin is the word harmatia. And harmatia means to, to, uh, miss the mark. And what would be the mark that we would miss? Any, and Paul says that pas harmatia, harmatia essen. That all unrighteousness is sin. Everything that falls short of the righteousness of God is sin. And understanding who and what God is. God is perfect. God God is perfectly righteous. Righteousness makes up his holiness. His holiness sets him apart from from everything else. I mean, his integrity, his righteousness is... um, uh, cannot be touched. They're infinite and eternal. 
And so when we say God is righteous, it is that perfect standard. He's pure and so holy that any and all sin offends God in such a way that that I remember back when we when we had that house or we had, we lived in a trailer at one time and we kept smelling something. And finally it got so bad and I think this was in Memphis and and Memphis it gets very hot. So the hotter it got, the stinkier it got. So I had to crawl up under the trailer and I had to feel around on that on the on the tarp underneath the plastic. And I finally felt felt some weight. And I cut away that that uh that tarp and hear a dead cat falls out full of maggots and I mean oh man and the smell and and it got my gag reflexes and so I had to cover this thing up so that I wouldn't see it and I had to drag it out from underneath and covered it all up in that bag yeah I took that bag and I just wrapped it up so that I could seal it up there and and dragged it off and, and buried the thing um but if there's a such thing as a gag reflex, God has because sin, because when it comes to sin, it 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 is detestable to God because He is so pure and so good. Let me give you another example of how we can understand this. Before before uh, I don't know uh, some of us before we were. We became believers and began to grow in the Lord. And even as, even as good people, we had a tendency to overlook the evil in the world. We could watch things on TV. We'd hear some things on music. In our music, we could hear people talk. And it really didn't bother us. We, we had this, okay, um, live and let live. That's okay. And we, we had that and we, we, and, and we, we continue to have that. We don't, put our nose in it, but we weren't, let me say, the point is, we weren't so offended. Okay, that's them, you know. We were not so offended of of things we saw on TV, adultery or um, maybe even homosexuality or whatever we saw on TV or things we listened to our in our music. When we began to grow righteously and we're growing closer to the Lord, and we began to understand his righteousness and began to um, grow in in his righteousness and, and learning who and what God is and how God feels about these things. It's not that we become holier than now. It's, it's just that we come to recognize God's holiness. And we become offended by the, unright, uh, the, the unrighteousness. So... Um, So when we we're looking at Genesis here, uh, I'm a cold thing hit me. All right, we're coming back to Genesis. Um, picking it up here. Now, now when the servant, I'll, I'll start with verse one. Now, when the servant was or the serpent was more crafty than any beast in the fear than the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman, Indeed. As God said, you shall not eat from any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, from, I lost it, 
from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God said, God has said, you shall not eat or touch it or you will die. And the serpent said to the woman, you not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was delight to the eyes and that um, it was desirable to make one wise, she took from the fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. Now, you know, I, I crossed my mind this morning. Listen, it's not the fact when did man die? When did the corporate race fall into sin? When Adam and Eve sinned? No. When Adam sinned. Through one man sin, uh, one man says Romans 5.12, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, so that death spread to all men because all sin. Through one man. 1 Corinthians 15.22 for as in Adam all die, so also Christ all will be made alive. You see, Adam is the corporate uh, is the corporate head of the human race. The woman was taken from Adam, and um, so that leaves a lot of discussion there. Um, when when exactly did it, the woman fall? Did she fall? Did she fall when Adam fell, or did she fall immediately after she took from the tree? But I, I don't know. That that was just a question I had this morning to myself. That um, take it for what it take it for your own study, do your own homework. Romans six twenty three: The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ. So immediately, what happened? In Genesis 3, 7, then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together to make themselves loin covering. That's our subject. The clothing, they, they, um, that now they have clothing. They, they make clothing for themselves. Again, remember the issue. It's not their bodily nakedness, but, but it is their spiritual. But even Adam and the woman had this screwed up. The eyes of both of them, their consciences were open. They, something was bothering them. Something, something was completely wrong. Now they were experiencing things they never experienced before. It was guilt. There was shame. There was, um, there was worry and many things. And so they, um, and so immediately they looked to cover themselves. What Adam and Eve did, they, they made fig leaves and covered themselves. They covered their bodily nakedness in order to solve a spiritual issue. See, they misinterpret what was wrong. It's like having a, it's like having a headache and you're taking aspirin in order to, to, um, alleviate your headache, to get rid of your headache. But the fact is, uh, you might, that you may be just covering the symptom of a larger problem, like a tumor or something, that you cannot see. See, what Adam and the woman did was they put on fig leaves to cover their guilt and their shame. And, uh, and I, I won't even say that to get right with God. That, God was out of the picture when they were doing this. 
they were looking, they figured they were dealing, I would, I say this, they were dealing with the guilt and their shame. They were looking, and I'll give you one more principle this morning, that they were, that before, prior to the sin, they were compatible with the environment in which they were in. It was perfect environment. They were compatible to that environment. But the moment that they sinned, they were no longer, they were no longer perfect and righteous, so they were not compatible with a perfect and righteous environment. And so they were, they were just like this man, and to bring it right around to the circle as we will pick this up tomorrow, it goes right back to this man in the wedding, um, ceremony that he was wearing the wrong clothes in a, a an embar- in a wrong environment the wrong clothes in a wrong environment or and um so they and this is what it was that man and woman they put on the fig leaves in order to fix a spiritual problem and with that we will pick this up in the morning. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time together in our study. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we continue to look in your word. I pray, Heavenly Father, let us examine our hearts and examine our souls. Because to this day, we still continue, some of us still continue to wear in fig leaves. That we're, that we made ourselves comfortable in an environment that we are not compatible with. I pray, Heavenly Father, if anyone in the sound of my voice might fit that uh, fit that position, that there is things that they have not dealt with within their hearts, may they do recognize that it is that Jesus Christ provides eternal life for anyone that trusts in Him for, and by trusting in Christ, we receive His righteousness. And that's the only way. So we pray, Heavenly Father, that these truths will continue to um, echo within our hearts. May we learn to articulate them to one another as we continue to grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. All right, tonight, if I can find it, we will uh, we will do Jeopardy tonight, Christmas Jeopardy. Um, if I have it on my file somewhere or if I get home enough to fix it up. But our study will begin at... Um, 7 o'clock, we will stream it tonight, and we'll have that upstairs, by the way, too. Okay? All right. We'll answer all those questions at the same time. So, uh, until this evening or until tomorrow, stay motivated, Lord, keep your armor on, and keep fighting the good fight of faith. Thank you. You can hear this message again, as well as previous lessons. And get notes by visiting us online at www.gchapel.org.